Hello, welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest this time is Rachel Hope, who after going through her own midlife transition and a menopause that she describes as hell on wheels, has set up her own company, Soul Sisters, offering retreats aimed at women in midlife. Rachel, welcome along to the podcast. Hello, Emma, and thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. So so let's maybe wind back to uh, the point at which your your life changed quite dramatically and sort of you know what what sort of was the catalysis I suppose for the for that change well uh, it certainly was dramatic um, I can say that for sure I was in uh, Dubai for 20 years from the age of 30 to 50 I had my family there a wonderful family home lovely husband I had a brilliant international management career job with business class travel um, and we all know about the glittering lights of Dubai plastic <laughs> fantastic So it was pretty much the dream life, I guess you would say. But then suddenly it wasn't enough Mm. and it didn't feel like me anymore. Uh, And I started to question myself and my purpose and just to feel that I had to change something, but I I didn't know what. And you, you feel a bit guilty as well because... I'm still very good friends. My husband, in fact, we're still married after 13 years separated. (laughs) I had nothing to complain about. And that makes it even harder, really. But it just didn't, it just didn't fit. So I left Dubai, children with the appropriate age, so I didn't leave them (laughs) stranded. Um, And I started out again in England, but I made some huge mistakes pretty quickly. I made a bad decision of setting up a business with a close girlfriend who is no longer a close girlfriend. Oh dear. We, I'd invested everything that I had into the business. And just as we got started, she was offered a huge international job uh, for money that she couldn't resist and left. So I had um, a terrible year uh, just trying to wind down and get rid of the business. I didn't want to do it on my own. That wasn't mm. the, the point. I went into a relationship, (laughs) which was a complete disaster. And then for good measure, as you've mentioned already, the hell on wheels, the menopause (laughs) came. Just for fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And despite how much you read about it and you know that it's there and you know you're of that age, I didn't realise to start with. And I just you weren't prepared. (laughs) No, I know. I mean it's it's ridiculous. And I guess because I had so many other unpleasant situations going on around me that the fact that I was so emotional and tearful all the time, that I couldn't think straight, I didn't I didn't recognise it immediately for what it was. And even when you do recognise it, Emma, I mean, does that mean you can still really, apart from sort of HRT or something, do anything about it anyway? I guess giving it a name perhaps suggests that you're not going completely, completely insane. You know, so that was a that was a very, very difficult time. And I lost everything financially, lost the wherewithal to keep the business going and to manage my own rented property. Um, and I ended up in my sister's spare bedroom on antidepressants. So it was a pretty... It was a pretty disastrous start to what was supposed to me be my fabulous single new life. <laughs> your, your reinvention, kind yeah. of, of a yeah, a full start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think looking back on it now, it was so it happened like that because I didn't know who who or what I wanted to be. That was the problem, really. I was sort of left drifting after mm. coming away from being a career woman being a mother, being a wife, 
having this big social life, which didn't tempt me anymore. And I guess, yes, between the age of sort of 48 to 52, suddenly you are quite a lot older. You have to take that into account. You don't look the way you did and um, uh, it doesn't bother me, but maybe subconsciously, you know, that part of aging is difficult. So anyway, I my recovery, which what led me to uh, setting up my Soul Sisters community business was... I was very brave. I booked an air ticket and I went to Mexico on my own for six weeks. First 24 hours were a disaster. And (laughs) the plane journey, uh, the first, the hotel in Mexico City, which was terrifying. It was so, so cheap and everything that went with it. I swear in in 24 hours, if I could have just come home, you know, I would have done. done. (laughs) But, um, But you can't, you can't. So I continued and I met this fantastic elderly American lady who was a writer and I rented a room in her home. And as you do, I've learned on my retreat, when strangers meet within the first two minutes, you have literally kind of vomited my whole sad story (laughs) onto onto the table the first night I arrived. And bless her, she listened for about two hours and she looked at me and she said, Rachel, just write it down just write it down. And so I did. And I wrote furiously for the whole six weeks I was there. And I thought it would probably turn into a memoir because I didn't really recognize any other form of writing. But I have now come to realize that I was journaling. And because after so many people asking me, where's the book? Where's the memoir? Uh, It's not finished because I've been doing it now for about eight years, that it very much is journaling. And the power of the pen is the famous, I don't know if you know her, Emma, but the famous American elderly author now, Joan Didion. Mm, she, yeah. she fantastic. And she said, I write to know what I think. And by writing everything down, it really helped me to make sense of, of, of what had happened. So actually, in a roundabout way, that's how I came to journaling. And then when I came back to England... I was sort of looking for signs of things to inspire me. And The Guardian uh, had an article on tarot. And I'd always thought of tarot as something um, a little bit sort of woo-woo voodoo, very much a psychic reader that could predict something that absolutely would happen to you. So I I did a diploma. And as I explored it, I had two massive realisations And the first one was that that's not the case at all. The tarot cards are not uh, psychic within themselves. They're they're definitely magical. The images are magical, but they are not the magic. The magic lies within you to interpret them. And by you, I mean the querent, the person that's asking the questions of the card, not the reader. It's the reader is a facilitator. That's what I do when I read cards. I facilitate the same way a coach would do. Right. Um, And I say coach, not counsellor, because I think it's about looking forward with tarot cards. So so is it almost like a tool to kind of get people to focus on certain things and draw out of them what perhaps they're not being honest with themselves about? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, we, we all know really, that when we we know the answers are inside of us, we know intuitively, instinctively what we should do. And the tarot helps us to tap into our intuition because because of the visual 
side of the cards is so strange. We have to look at them in a more intuitive, curious way. It's not something that with our five senses, we look at something and say, oh, I know that's a cup of coffee. You know, I can see it and I can smell it. We don't really know what we are. they are. And so we look at them more intuitively. And they, the same with, with writing as well, with the tarot, they allow us to stand back and view our life from a more detached point of view. One thing, what I mean by that, one thing I say, which the the ladies on my retreat really relate to is, you know, when you sit down, you watch a movie and you have the protagonist there and it's probably Anne Hathaway and she's got this gorgeous little coffee shop in downtown Manhattan and um, cute men keep coming in and she's having a look at them because she's single And then she starts giving away all her cups of coffee to the homeless people. So we think, oh, no, she's not going to make any money. And then we worry that she's going to fall in love with the the slightly uh, not pleasant guy (laughs) that comes in the shop. Well, we're one step ahead of her, aren't we? We sit back because we're detached and we're relaxed and we know what's going to happen. We say, no, 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 don't do this. Yes, 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 you must do that. And that's what happens when we see our tarot cards in front of us or we look back at what we've written it's in black and white but it's it's not us emotionally it's us on the other side of the table and we can give ourselves advice then we can view it sort of more detached more holistically really does that make sense mm, that's fascinating i've i guess yeah i've always similarly sort of viewed them as 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 you were describing them before being sort of much more about sort of doing a sort of a psychic reading or something and mm. uh, and probably being very skeptical about it but th- that's really interesting and uh yeah yes interesting to explore in a bit more so I'm um I've just finished an introductory course actually in coaching so I'm, oh, I'm kind of interested in those sort of parallels that that you're drawing out between it and uh and a kind of a more conventional coaching methodology so yeah yeah. absolutely and the two the two go absolutely uh hand in hand as well because it is looking for uh the opportunities it's showing you not to be afraid of um to be afraid of change and in fact on the last retreat I had um a friend of mine who who qualified recently as a coach she'd done counseling for many years but decided she wanted to do more Uh, midlife women coaching in a positive way going forward rather than digging backwards with counselling and she worked with the ladies on the sort of a more deeper level than I did with the cards and the journaling I sort of with the journaling and the cards they opened some questions for themselves and she took them one stage further in helping them find answers so we're going to use that format going forward even more so, um, which is exciting because it means that, you know, there's so many possibilities for the retreats to uh, take their own, take their own shape, you know, going forward. But yeah, so tell us a bit, a bit more about the retreats. So they, they tend to be sort of three days uh, in yes. total and sort of small, quite small groups of women. Yes, yes, they are. The maximum, the maximum I've had is seven. Um, and that would be the maximum because um, I work with the ladies individually as well as a group and physically in terms of time. So basically they're, they're three days um, and we are together in a, a beautiful property um, and it's, it tends to be springtime and late autumn time. So there's beautiful walks um, and it's a time that uh, 
when it's colder outside, people want to go inside and nurture themselves more anyway. Mm. And we light the fires. We make it a very relaxed, beautiful space. Um, whoever's working with me and myself, we do all the food, which is organic, uh, locally sourced, um, vegetarian meals. And so on two of the mornings, I run workshops with the ladies and with those we start we we look at our mindset really and just touch briefly on our sort of belief system which you know often we don't we don't appreciate I think how much we've learned all our beliefs how much you know when we start out when you take the journey in the tarot the fool who is number zero the first stage of the journey they're not a fool. It means they're naive and they're curious like a child. And the only time in our mortal life that we have that curiosity is when we are a child, because then after that institution um, and environment and parents, they shape us and that leads to our, our sort of belief system. So we look at understanding that, that our, our, our values and beliefs have been shaped quite often for us. And that that's not something that has to remain the same going forward. And it's quite choose what you want to take with you onto the next part of that journey. Exactly. And it's like all these things, isn't it? It seems so obvious when you talk about something, but until you really put it out there and, and recognize it. And, you know, uncertainty feels quite threatening. And so the brain tries to understand what's happening and fill in the unknown gaps and it does that doesn't it by sort of basing it on past experiences well that happened before this is going to happen Mm. again if I do that and then we go down this self-fulfilling prophecy route and end up getting what we inadvertently attracted because we imagined it so hard to be what would happen I mean the law of attraction is fantastic but it also brings negative things if we think about them too hard so it's I think to stop people working backwards looking at the worst case scenario which we do that it's human nature isn't it to keep ourselves safe we say if I do that what's the worst thing that can happen yeah we're protecting ourselves (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes yeah as you say in protecting ourselves and keeping ourselves safe we're we're limiting ourselves and yeah stopping yeah locking down that potential so so um yeah is there a sort of a I guess, a sort of typical profile of somebody who would come along to these events or as a kind of different dealing with sort of different kinds of stuck situations or sort of trying to figure out, yeah, where they're sort of going in this second chapter (laughs) of life. Yes, well, a a lot of interesting points there. I promoted my first retreat as Rewrite Your Midlife Journey. So I had all midlife women. I had quite a few ladies ask me first, what does midlife mean? That in itself (laughs) was interesting. I thought about that and I thought probably from late 30s, 40 onwards. I'm 60 in April. I consider myself midlife. So it's quite a big span, really. Then you mentioned then sort of second chapter. Well, in my memoir, I I saw it very much first half of my life up to Mm. 50 and then second half of my life. But one thing the tarot teaches you is that we have many journeys within our mortal journey. 
So actually, you know, we start again at the beginning and do not necessarily dramatic things. It can be a new job within the same marriage or something, but we have many journeys uh, not to see things quite as so, so black and white. The ladies that come, what they do all have in common is they, they feel stuck and they don't know why. They're in a situation that no longer serves them. And they they sort of find themselves out of alignment with who they really are. And whether that's because of age, whether some circumstances have changed in their life, empty nesting, Mm. or or our values changing, what's important to us, like I found, I don't want the super, seemingly super life. Seems seems shiny and glittery from the outside. And, And wholly inappropriate suddenly. So, and most of them, can't articulate why they're there and if they can what's really interesting is when they start working on themselves there it's a different reason than the obvious one that they thought brought them there that's yeah that is incredible so there's something kind of buried underlying that that maybe they just haven't been able to connect with but they know and of course when they're, when they're, first of all, describing the reason to you that they're there, it's because they're using their logical mind. We rationalise everything and say, I must be feeling like this because of this. Mm-hmm. When we start the journaling, we use stream of consciousness or free writing, as it's known, mm-hmm. where you write at speed. You do not take your pen off the paper and therefore you're writing from your, your subconscious more. And that's when we go back to Joan Didion, who says, I I write to know what I think. You will find that you've written something there that you did not know. And it's absolutely incredible, the things that come out. We also work on turning points. We identify times in our life where it could be coming of age, going to university, um, getting married. Quite often it's it's more difficult things, divorce, death, Mm. bereavement. But things that um, a turning point really I would describe is an internal shift that occurs when something significant happens and it causes us to feel differently from the way we did before. And so when we identify some of those things, I then encourage the ladies to look at what happened, how they reacted to it. And when we look at how we react to things, because that's the only thing really, isn't it, we can control in our life. We can't control a lot of things that happen in life. Even if we have a great job, we might, for some reason, it might be taken away. We can't control how people behave towards us and our emotions we can't control. They just overflow immediately. But we can control our reactions to what happens to us. And when we start to write them down and journal with them, we we can see them in black and white and we can reflect on them. I always say with journaling, it's record, which is dump it down with all the emotion you've got, <laughs> then reflect, sit back and look at it and say, gosh, is that really how I behaved then? Is that what I thought happens? And then record, reflect, and then reset. Afterwards, we say, well, how could I, how could I have done that differently? How could I have approached that differently? So... So, yes, going back to your question, the ladies come pretty much because they feel stuck. Um, something's out of kil- kilter and they want to uh, want help moving forwards. The, the age group, 
for some reason, when I put my second or third retreat up, midlife seemed to have dropped out of the heading. And I ended up with just rewrite your life. And on the first evening of the retreat, I do um, a welcome chat with a glass of Prosecco. We don't have to detox while we're there. We don't, <laughs> we don't have very much alcohol. No, exactly. You'd be, fi- you'd be fine there, Emma. <laughs> At supper time, we have sort of a glass of wine. It's not controlled. Obviously, we don't encourage too much alcohol because of emotions. But yeah. it's nice to relax. And, and on the evening that I had the largest group of seven ladies, I had a young girl of 19 and I had a lady of 79. And I hadn't realised that midlife had dropped out the title of my <laughs> retreat. So I said, what attracted you two ladies? And they told me various things, which were quite interesting, but mostly revolved about being stuck. What was really heartwarming is a 79-year-old lady said, I really like when you talk about starting a new journey. Isn't that amazing? Brilliant. It's, yeah, you're ne- it's never too late. You're never no, too old. No, <laughs> fantastic. And... Um, and then actually we, we had a bit of a laugh and we realized, so now actually I haven't left that in because it doesn't matter what age you are. There are so many journeys. We can become stuck at stuck at any time. So, um, yeah. And do you find that, that those kind of groups that have come together, because presumably they don't know one another, no. uh, that they all kind of gel quite quite well? Incredibly, incredibly, because I think, you know, we have this sort of this word tribe these days um, <laughs> and you can you can find your your tribe immediately and it might be very temporary. But I think the essence of that is because everybody comes together for one reason, for one need. They were all needing the same thing. And the most amazing thing that happens on the retreat is how these ladies come together so quickly and so supportively and they're they they sense immediately which ones are struggling more I mean we always have tears the first Mm. night I think when you've already accepted that you're going to do something for yourself and they arrive through the door and it's the evening time and the fire's lit and there's you know a lovely bed made in a beautiful room and there's a smell of home cooking and they haven't got to do anything a big sigh of relief a big exhale there is. Um, and so some are very tearful on the first night, but I do laugh. I say, if you don't all cry, I'll be very disappointed. So they feel comfortable. <laughs> and I often cry too when I tell my story. Um, but they're so supportive of each other. And that's, um, it's not that I didn't expect that, but I was absolutely amazed at how instinctively that happens. It's, yeah, it's there's no prompting from you. There's no, no, kind of- it's it's beautiful it really is women are we're nurturers you know by nature so that's really lovely um yes it's um it's you can come with a friend I don't really recommend it because I don't think you behave properly as or friends want to help as honest you with yourself if you feel like yeah Yeah. maybe sort of holding something back to for whatever reason exactly exactly and then we um, we have reflexology because it's nice to have some sort of physical nurturing as well. Um, we uncover some interesting um, insights with the journaling. And then I lead everybody through the journey of the tarot cards, demystify them, not to spoil them because they are magical. They're incredibly enlightening. Every time I, I do a reading for somebody, I thank the cards before I put them away because they just reflect, they mirror exactly what the problem 
is. And that's because the person there knows it and is seeing it in the cards. And then I do a private tarot reading after, and that can take up to an hour each. So that goes back to the point of not having too many ladies. And I think it's nice just to keep it really intimate as well. It isn't like we do do mindful movement in the morning, qigong, to sort of drop into a meditative state to help us relax. But it isn't like yoga retreats that I've been to where you can have 30 people all out in the yoga shala together. It's 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 a nice thing, but you can't have that in this sort of yeah. situation where it doesn't create the same personal sort same of touch bond. really. Yeah. And so so when uh when are you running you said that you were running them in the springtime. When would your next series of retreats be happening? Yes. My next retreat is the I'm going to have to be a bit elusive here. It's the first week of March. <laughs> I think it's about the 7th of March. But all the retreats are all mentioned on soulsisterscommunity.com. That's my uh, website. I'll pop a link up in the, um, in the notes from the Oh, well, lovely. Thank you. Yeah, so they're in March and April. I am going to be in Sri Lanka in January, God willing. Let's not mention COVID, but... Yeah, lovely. I've <laughs> not been. I'd love to go. Beautiful property in southern Sri Lanka between the ocean and the jungle. And it's just for ladies. Takes about 10 ladies. So encouraging people, solo travellers, women that might not be so comfortable travelling on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend the flights. They'll be collected from the airport. And there will be some journaling and tarot, but it won't be prescriptive. We will be visiting um, the monks at the Buddhist mon- monastery. We'll be whale watching, connecting with nature. We'll be nurtured. There's a lovely in-house chef who will take us to the market and teach us some Sri Lankan dishes. Am I making you jealous? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. in my head. I'm there already. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. So that I can tell you is on January the eighth to the eighteenth. That's also on on my website. So that's yes, that's a more relaxed environment. But um, that came about really as well. A lot of the ladies on the retreat talking about Christmas can be quite an emotional, tricky time. Quite a few of the ladies of midlife age are wanting to leave their partners Mm -hmm. or situations at home. They're looking for change there. So I think to, um, you know, escaping to a completely different environment, to a different culture. Mm, Getting a a bit of headspace. Yeah, exactly exactly to do things differently so um so i'm very much looking forward to that recharge my batteries and get back for um my uk retreats in march sounds delightful i mean that's the most wonderful thing for me is when things do go terribly wrong and um i think all of us in our life somewhere have a have a time that we um you know whilst it might be teaching us a lesson we can use going forward it certainly isn't very welcome at the time but actually mine really did with coming to the journaling coming to the tarot and searching for purpose and now that I've wrapped those things together and my purpose is something that can also sustain me food in my mouth although I live frugally <laughs> on my my narrow boat on the river but it's my my job as well now running retreats is absolutely so if you hadn't Extreme. been through all of that, you maybe wouldn't be where you are now. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm, you know, I'm so grateful for it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Change is, um, 
change is necessary and the one thing I've learned it's how you react to it it can be a disaster or it can be a positive thing that's a perfect point to bring us to the end of the interview Rachel thank you so much it's been lovely hearing about your process of getting from A to B albeit through sort of squiggly and and difficult sometimes but yeah it it all makes for a good story so thank you for sharing your story with us oh well I've loved it thank you very much for having me and um, hope to see you in Sri Lanka You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.